Hi, this is Patrick Finlay at the Chicago Sun-Times. He's Jason Leisure and he's Mark Potash. And guys, coming up, we will talk about the Bears' upcoming game against the Vikings and make our predictions. We will ask whether the Bears' play caller sees what the rest of us see. And we will, of course, break down what Justin Fields needs to do better. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Potsy, it is Vikings week. The Bears are getting ready to face an offense like they haven't seen so far this season, uh, at least in terms of weapons. But as always, everybody in town wants to talk about Justin Fields. Uh, On Thursday, offensive coordinator Luke Getze uh, said that he didn't sense that Fields had had a bad month. Is that him saying what he's supposed to say? Is that him showing a disconnect from what the rest of us see? Uh, Is it both? Is it neither? What is it? I'm starting to wonder uh, a little bit. Although, I I mean, that's just basically the way he's – he definitely has a different perspective than we do. Uh, Almost to – we're almost on opposite ends of the spectrum. We print every day, okay? (laughs) So everything is much more – whether it should be or shouldn't be, everything is much more defining. Everything he does is – Everything that the Bears do is defining. Case in point, the third, the, the, the red zone. Right. The red zone the first two weeks was they were 5 of 7, mm-hmm. which is 71%, which would lead the league last year. But nobody said anything. Nobody asked questions. Why are you so good in the red zone? Why? Right. Because it was too early. It's right. too, it wasn't enough of a sample size. They have one week where they're 0 for 3, and all of a sudden the questions every day, Monday, Wednesday, and today, how can you be better uh, in the red zone? And that's because, that to find it as a problem, even though it was a problem for one day. You know, it's like, what can you do better? Well, we can play another team. That's what we can do better because it's random. <laughs> well, so my point is everything is defining to us. Right. To him, to to the Bears, to Luke Getze, this, for all we know, could be a two-year project. Sure. You know what I'm saying? They could be – in their, in their minds, they could be, let's establish something this year on offense and defense, as we're seeing, and let's – you know, get you know, get more weapons or whatever, uh, draft picks, whatever the next year, and we'll see where we're at after year two. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think we're seeing a, a good example because we're so micro on fields, right? And not that we shouldn't be, but we are. It's just the way. It's just the two different ways well, we see it. As somebody who wrote a thousand words on Red Zone <laughs> Monday for Tuesday's newspaper, I think part of the concern is their lack of success. Yes but also their lack of balance. I think they went 21 plays without letting Fields throw in the, in the red zone. Now, Jason, we, we could sit here and say, well, they're better at running. Of course, you know, they'll, they'll skew that way. But there's a difference, and this has been a theme all year, between short-term progress and long-term gains. And the long-term gains you have to make are Justin Fields related, right? Yeah, you really need to, you need it. Like, plan A would be that you need him to become your franchise quarterback. Plan B is to see enough and provide enough of a litmus test to determine that he isn't and know what you need to do right away to move forward with somebody else. And I don't know what we're – I don't know what we've accomplished four games in because he's worse so far than he was last year, which is really saying something. And almost hard to believe, but how could you deny it? The numbers say it, Pat. Right. No, Um, Absolutely. And also, as has often been the case around here, the problems, you are you just run in circles trying to figure out the problems. It's a shell game constantly of, well, he's not hitting receivers, but they're not open. He's not 
standing in the pocket, but he doesn't have time. Well, and the it's offensive the, coordinator's not calling pass plays for him, but he's not doing anything to show the offensive coordinator that he should. Right. Oh, or everything's as, wrong. Or as we found out this week, Darnell Mooney, the person who literally on Ryan Poles's you know first day of uh, of the scouting combine is one of two people he singles out as the the guy that we have on our team that we are proud of and that we're happy with. He's run the wrong route three, four, five times. I mean, he's he's admitted it to us as much. These are problems that a lot of it is fields making, but like you said, it's all a mess. It's not just it's not just one thing. It's it's the same template we saw with Trubisky, where he's part of the problem, but they're doing a bunch of things that are working against him. Are you quoting the Mark the great Mark Potash and saying it's not the quarterback, it's the offense? Oh, is that what I say? You've, that's oh. what you've said before. Well, yeah. uh, Jason does bring up a good point uh, because, and I don't want to sound alarms too early, but I, we keep seeing every week small indications of these red flags that we saw in the Trubisky era. Case in point, when Fields, when, when Fields had Mooney open, I think when he ran the wrong route, nonetheless he was open, and instead of instinctively just making the play that was there and improvising, improvising, what a thing for a quarterback to do, he says, I just did what I was told to do. And that's the kind of robotic thing that, that marked, that defined what Mitch Trubisky was. It's what he said when he left, now I don't have to be so robotic. When he went to Buffalo and Pittsburgh, it's like, now he can be more instinctive. It's like they took the instinct out of him. That was his complaint. But we're back to the situation, and we talked about this last week, I think, where when Fields came in, he just by the eye test looked like he had played the position before and had an instinct for the position. And I'm more and more I'm losing that vision of him. And that's another great example. It's one play, maybe it's not, but all I'm saying is that stuck in my head is, wow, can't you just make the play any quarterback would make? Don't, don't, not. It's like he's being overtaught. I guess that would be my, my point, my argument, is that I think he's overprogrammed. And maybe that this is the step back that he'll take before he takes two steps forward. That's an mm-hmm. optimistic viewpoint. But in four games in, I think that you can't argue. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. argue say, and say that's absolutely wrong. It right. could be right. But that's where we are right now, where he's looking too much like Trubisky. Is that. Ex- if he looks like, you know, when we sit up in the press box, we can a lot of times sit there and watch him read one, two, and three. And is being robotic, Jason, something that comes with the territory of he's played four games under this new offense? He's, you know, he didn't have that much experience last year, really. Uh, you know, when you look at the fact that he started 10 games, is that a little bit of this was to be expected, right? And how do we balance he's learning with, He's got to. He's got to show us more. Yeah, I think what, I think what tells you the truth on there is that he's the worst quarterback in the NFL statistically right now. Sure, absolutely. This isn't like he's doing okay. He's kind of holding his own. He's just kind of middle of the pack, and maybe the breakthrough's coming. He is at the bottom by far. I mean, he's completing what fifty percent of his passes. Yeah, fifty-one percent. And I can't get over that. Luke Getzey said something interesting today, where somebody accusatorily said, "But he's only comp- completing fifty point eight percent of his passes." And Getzey's like, "Well, it should be less because yeah. he needs to be throwing the ball out of bounds instead of taking sacks," right. yeah. which I thought was a interesting way to look at it, a clever way to look at it. But let me overanalyze it and say, I think that just shows how comfortable he is with where he is in the process right now. He's not worried about making himself look worse in an argument by saying his his completion percentage should actually be worse than it is. But that, again, goes to another thing that I kind of wanted to get to last week and this week and never got to. It's just another thing that's the the, the, – quarterback development issue is just the accuracy. You know, he missed three big throws against against the the Texans. Wait, 
two weeks ago. Yeah, Houston. Okay. Yep. Uh, the two interceptions and and, the, and that swing pass to Ebner, and then he missed another couple the other the other day against the Giants, and it's like. Why is why are these guys these quarterbacks these young quarterbacks can't make the simple pass? Right. I'm not worried about his per- completion percentage being bad because he's can't thread the needle. That's yeah. you figure that will come. It's so simple passes, and it's, so the inaccuracy is actually to me is a bigger issue. But I guess my original point is that Getsy's not. He's not unnerved by, or phased by anything that's happening right now, even to the point where he can tell you, yeah, it's even worse than you think. And I think that to me, it's a sign he's comfortable. Whether he's right or wrong, long term. We'll see, but at least right now he's comfortable where he's at in the in the big picture of this entire process. I think Penn, there seemed to be some self-preservation at play in Luke Getzey's press conference Thursday, where if you think about internally in the building, what who are they going to point to if things don't go well for Justin Fields this year? Mm-hmm. Luke Getzey is the guy that would be the most in question. Sure, not Eberflus and Poles. They're not going to fire themselves over this. Right. Yeah, I don't know that he did much to separate himself from Fields, though. I mean, if anything, he was... Are you saying that he was defending Fields to defend himself? Yeah, when he's saying it's going okay. well, yes. who needs this to go well more to keep the job more than Luke Getze? Yeah, there's a way to argue that if you're him, too. You could sit there and go, we're 2-2, two and two. the month couldn't have been that bad, of course he needs to get better at stuff and move on. But instead, I mean, he challenged kind of the premise, which was my premise, so I'm a little... Well, take it a little personally, that that he had had a a rough month. Of course, he's had a rough month. Nobody nobody playing quarterback has had a more rough month. He's had a rough year. Uh, or his month has been so bad. It's been a bad year. He's so far at the bottom. Right. I mean, it, it's like not even close. Right. Is there? He's, he's like 15 points behind Mitch Trubisky. Right. Passer. Who just lost his job? Potsy, Is there any reason? It's like hitting 20 points lower than Mendoza. <laughs> That's an old red That's a Mendoza line see, yeah. when you bat 200. Oh, baseball, I get it. Yeah, yeah you bat 200. Um, Potsy, is there any reason to think that major improvement will show itself on Sunday? Like you said, a lot of times these things aren't linear. Yes. Um, a lot of times it's it's fits and starts. Uh, we've had a lot of fits, but not many starts. Yeah, I, I, I'm not expecting anything at this point. Uh, just because, like, we talked to asked Alan Williams about defensive things. You know, the lapses they had with their eye discipline, losing eye discipline. Uh, which seemed to be kind of a catchphrase, I guess, or catch term, I guess, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that just to me does not seem like something that automatically will fix it. I guess you can be good one week and bad the next, so I guess it's possible. But what I'm saying is if they do fix it, it doesn't mean it's fixed for good. No. It just means this is what happened this week. That's that's where, again, it comes back to this micro versus macro kind of viewpoint, you know, where, you know, we're looking. We're gonna. We're gonna define the Bears by how they respond against the Vikings, and this might just be one little blip mm-hmm. that might be bad. If it's good this week, it'll be bad the next, and that's just where they they're at. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I I expect them to. I would think that that they would improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on both sides of the ball, but I just don't know what it would mean once we, you know once you see it. It's just that's where they're at in their development. Would I discipline be the greatest band name if it's 1984 and you're playing punk music? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm really bad with uh, band names, but I like, uh, I like the Beatles. That, okay. was, that was the best. Oh, because they band. keep because they yeah. keep a beat, but also they're like the Bugs. Just because they're great yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Part of the the point that this is uh, dwindled to is like the big hope this week for the offense is that Nikhil Harry and Valus Jones are going to be part of it. <laughs> a guy who has been hurt all year in Nikhil Harry and a former first round pick who flamed out with New England, right. which that doesn't really happen. There, you think of places where it's like if a guy doesn't work out in 
like New England or yeah. Pittsburgh, right. places like, like that, you kind of really scratch your head. Um, and Bayless Jones has never shown us anything as far as the offense goes, has had trouble staying on the field because he's been hurt. And when he's been in on special teams, there's been little glitches. Bayless Jones uh, spent a month plus coming back from a hamstring injury, what, almost two months, uh, had setbacks, pushed through it, uh, got the green light to play on Sunday, and was put on the field for in exactly zero offensive plays. If you're wondering how easy it is to jump back in the offense and help, I don't think it is. I think you need to have the right timing. I think you need to have a certain chemistry with Justin Fields, and, and I don't think it's fair to expect Nikhil Harry to have that on Sunday. I don't think it's fair to uh, expect Velas Jones to have it on Sunday. I asked Matt Eberflus earlier this week, hey, is there a difference between throwing a rookie in there and throwing a guy with experience? And he said, no, kind of not really. He said it just depends on the guy. I don't think Nikhil Harry will help in the short term. I don't know whether Velas Jones will. Maybe we'll see some fly sweeps or some runs or something like that. But God, Potsy, when when we're le- <laughs> when you're leaning on guys like a third round pick and somebody who the Bears traded a seventh rounder next year, literally the least it's available for free, literally the least you could ever trade somebody for. When you're pointing to those guys as well, maybe those guys can help. That's a bad sign, right? We've seen it. I know I'm repeating myself, but I've seen this so many times <laughs> in 25 years of covering the Bears that it's not surprising, and that we and that I know that it's you know this guy is not. Even though he's a, might be a quality prospect or whatever at one point, mm-hmm. the first round draft pick in Harry, but whether or, or third round pick in Jones, um, I'm not. Ex- my expectations are zero. The only thing I expect is there to be a huge scrum around Nikhil Harry in the locker room as the next, you know, the next great hope for a Bears receiver. Mm-hmm. In fact, I looked up last night. I was trying to find a picture mm-hmm. of that I took in the locker room of a similar scrum. Dontrell Inman? Around, around Dontrell. Very good, Pat. That was going to be a quiz, actually, a Twitter quiz. Who is this guy? I kind of took the Babe Ruth shot from behind with everybody. And it was just – and the reason I did it was because, wow, this guy had just been acquired from the – San Diego from, Chargers. From the Chargers. San Diego Chargers. And it yes. was like – this is the next great hope. And the scrum around him, it's all, it's, it's everybody, a lot of people still here. It was really interesting. But I guess the real point is that I thought, it just, I've seen this thing so many times. I thought, you know, that's the first thing that popped in my mind is, well, here we go again. And I'm predicting in the locker room, if he talks, that we're going to see that same thing because we just, the Bears have always just needed a receiver. In the short term, Inman, I believe, was their best receiver he the rest was, of the year. Did, yeah. In the long term, he left at the end of the year, never came back. Didn't do anything for Mitch Trubisky's development yeah. long term. So anything they do is going to be a patch, right? I mean, right. there's nobody available that can help beyond this year, and, and the guys they have are, you know, among the worst in the league. Yeah, the offense the, with what they bring in, the offense has to grow the receivers and the quarterback more than the receiver. You know, this is not like you're bringing in Jalen Waddle or AJ Brown. You know, those are guys who raise the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And and we're talking to that opposite ends of the spectrum here. They're bringing in quality, you know, talented guys, but just they're fringe. They're roster fringe guys, or certainly at starter level, and 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 that's what that's where we're at. Jason Potsy brought up Twitter, and I, w- I was gonna I was gonna ask this question earlier, uh, but it reminded me. Potsy, you put up a poll, I think, over the weekend, and it was, "What would you rather see happen? Justin Fields to uh, improve by leaps and bounds on Sunday, but the Bears lose." Or Fields keeps doing what he's doing and the Bears win. 
What was the final score? Like 80-20 people? I think it was like 73-27 maybe. Oh, okay. I, remember. I, didn't, I didn't see the final. 73% of Bears fans voted for the Bears to lose. It, that's the right way to look at it, though, isn't it? Because yeah. you're winning in the long term. Right. It feels right. if you have a – this is the only way to win. Right. Is to have the franchise quarterback. You are not going to keep winning these uh, 19 to 11 games like against the 49ers. This is that's not a blueprint or template of any kind going forward. And for the record, neither uh, circumstance or situation scenario <laughs> happened. We got the worst of both worlds. You yes. think, um, guys? Before although we... they say there's some steps for uh, field, so. <laughs> you know, so that's what they're telling us. You can't see the smirk on Potsy's face when he said that. Potsy, can you name one guy that they brought in this offseason that's an asset to Fields that's a plus for Fields? Well, I think Lucas Patrick has been helpful. I don't think we can tell, but you don't think so? I, he's been getting mauled. Bra- yeah. Braxton Jones? Yeah, he's been – I mean, he's had his moments too. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think – and not a bust, I mean, but – I mean. Yeah, but nobody who's been, like, playing at a Pro Bowl level, but that's because the offense is not very good. So I guess to answer your question, no, not really. I think that I, you're talking I, about offensively. Yeah, well, yeah, and obviously, yeah. like making the defense better does help him because when you get takeaways or when yeah. you hold a team to twenty points yeah. like they did the Giants, you give him a chance. But directly on offense, personnel that has helped, no, personnel that's heard and, made things better yeah. for Justin Fields. No, not really. I mean, I hard feel to find somebody. And I thought no. at the time this was a problem. This isn't revisionist history. Like I thought, you can, you need to cut salary. You need yeah. to tear down financially here to be able to build in the future, but you can't do it at yeah. the expense of developing I mean, Justin Fields. But and here we are sitting here saying, who can we point to and say, right. this is a good thing that you brought in. This is an upgrade. Right. This is an asset. This helps yeah, Justin I agree. Fields. And, but this is the bed they made that they knew they were making. And, uh, you know, maybe they expected to get more out of it than they did. But, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they thought they brought in guys who were going to, you know, uh, all of a sudden turn, turn uh, Fields into a star. Um, I think they knew that what was going to happen. It's just not, it, so far, not working out. I would argue to you, and it's not a sexy argument by any stretch, but Equinemius St. Brown, maybe? I mean, it, I mean. It's a modest, yeah, but yeah. Five oh, catches, yeah. eight catches. Yeah, and a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you believe the blocking stats, he's one of the best two or three blocking yeah. receivers in the world. Um, you know, Maybe he's been helpful, but man, you got to go pretty far down on the list. Guys, we're going to unveil our Bears Vikings picks, but real quick before we do that, let's just talk about Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Uh, the you know the Bears defensive coordinator called them a two-headed monster today. Uh, Potsy, we've not to uh, without not to slight any of the other players on the Vikings. <laughs> right. Yes. He did say that. He did make that. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that he would go that far. Usually they don't. Usually they don't. In this day and age, they won't even go that far. They're, they're at the risk of offending all the other, you know, uh, uh, Vikings uh, receivers yeah. and, and tight ends and running backs. Yeah, sorry, Adam Thielen. Um, yeah. uh, Potsy, there were years where Vic Fangio would shut down Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook would average something like 70 yards a game against everybody else and 20 yards per game. Without once, famously, without Roquan and Akeem Hicks, their best run-stopping – And they uh, win their at second home. best run-stopping lineman and their best run-stopping uh, linebacker. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. But which one are you more worried about, uh, Cook or Jefferson? Well, after last week, I would say Cook. But, no, I think Jefferson, by far, he can make he, he can make even more big plays. And uh, he's just he, and he's just really good. The interesting thing is that we're – you have to remember, and I get the angst about not having Jalen Johnson on mm-hmm. the field, but the last time they were – 
the last time the Bears played the Vikings, there literally were there were concerns about him getting breaking the all-time record. Right. Flipper Anderson or something, like 300 and something yards. And um, the Bears not only were missing uh, – uh, they were missing Eddie Jackson, they were missing Jalen Jackson. They had an entire makeshift secondary mm-hmm. with Marquis Christian and Tease Tabor. And, uh, and Justin Jefferson had four catches for 47 yards and mm-hmm. a touchdown. A real modest – for him against the Bears, a modest – uh, pr- modest production. So what I'm saying is that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to shut him down or he's not going to be an issue. Right. But it's not like it's an automatic that, right. that you're going to have a, a big problem. But I will say to answer your question, I think he's just so good. And they and that also because they've had such a handle for the most part on Delvin Cook, he just has not been that destructive of a force um, that I, that I think Justin Jefferson is. Um, yeah, is is the bigger is the bigger issue. Justin Jefferson last year in the finale finished the season 16 yards shy of Randy Moss's franchise record. Uh, and one thing I remember from that game is Mike Zimmer uh, <laughs> taking him out of the game because they were killing the Bears by the end and uh, and not feeding him to get him that record, which I thought was bizarre. Jason, you have your phone out with some sort of statistic in front of you. Well, I just think this is a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, Justin Jefferson is a problem for everybody. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is. Pro Bowl the last three years, he's been a problem for everybody. Mark, you say that there's, they've always had a hand on Dalvin Cook. They have, but this isn't they. This is different Bears. Yeah, this not is, recently, not as much recently. This is a different, yeah. totally different yeah. team. But and I'm saying that's that's, that's what colored my that my my opinion yeah. is that I in the back of my head. I've, I've never really considered Dalvin Cook someone who just kills the Bears, so I don't see it as the biggest yeah. threat. He might be, but it's always the wide receiver it, with, the, with the Bears and the Vikings. I think so. you might have a hard time yeah. picking which one of them is the biggest problem when yeah. you get to Sunday night because they both hit, they both strike a nerve with the Bears. They both hit real problem areas. And we've been talking for a long time, Pat. Oh, this is all last season we're talking about. Yeah. They got that corner, Jalen Johnson, and no one else. Right. Well, now it's just no one else because Jalen Johnson's been hurt. Alan Williams was talking about, uh, you know, kind of the essence of what he was saying is like, we could manage Dalvin Cook or we could reasonably manage Justin Jefferson, which I don't know if you can. But both of them, that's where you start to sweat. That's where he says you have a full plate. Well, having Jalen Johnson would at least give you a chance. He also said something that I'm not sure I've ever heard a defensive coordinator say, which is he says the numbers say that they should – they should try to run the ball down our throats and then try and beat us deep on play action. That's what the numbers say. And so they probably will. That, like, yeah, so they, they probably, probably will. will yeah, it. given the game plan. It's because uh, he wants them to, so that he'll be ready for it. And it's three psychological. It's, he's playing 4D, 4D chess, is that what you're saying? I liked, though, when you talk about the weapons that the Vikings have, and then you get to Kirk Cousins, and it's like, do I want to build my team around Kirk Cousins? No. I think but he's, he's okay. Yeah, he's you, fine. You asked a question, Pat, to Alan Williams. How does Kirk Cousins orchestrate all of these and use all of these pieces? Mm-hmm. And I thought his answer was perfect. He well. Just, he said, well. Well. That's and, perfect. Well, he, he doesn't do it excellently. Right. He doesn't do it poorly. He just he does it well. He but, does fine. But look at who the Bears have faced this season. They faced Trey Lance. They faced Davis Mills. They faced Daniel Jones. And, and Yeah. And? And? Yeah, Tyrod Taylor, very good. And, uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's pretty good. Yeah, the best quarterback in the world. But, I mean, you could argue in the first half of the season, um, Kirk Cousins might be the second best quarterback they face in the first half of the season. I mean, he's better than Carson Wentz coming up. Might be better than, he's certainly better than Mac Jones. Um, I think when you've got the pieces that he has on offense, he can be, he can just be the point guard who puts people in the right position as long as it's not 
uh, on a Sunday or Monday night because he, then he turns into me playing point guard. And, uh, you know, they have a new offense uh, with, you know, uh, Kevin O'Connell supposed to, you know, his – I'm not sure exactly where they are in the rankings at this point. I don't think they're – I don't think they're – Middling. I think the middle. Off, but yeah. uh, but anyway, just uh, you know, he has another one of those Sean McVay uh, protege guys who you always think is you know really good and and, and a guy like Kirk Cousins in his hands probably not going to get worse. Right. So uh, but you know the, it's the same old thing with Kirk Cousins. You know he can beat you and he can beat himself. So sure. so uh, and against the Bears, the only question is are the is the Bears defense in shape to do that like the Fangio and uh, you know I guess. Post-Fangio teams were kind of able to do because you're looking at a defense right now that was so intent on stopping uh, uh, Saquon Barkley that they not only lost the quarterback, but they lost the running back too. So they they were there. And I I felt like I know a lot was uh, talked about like it was execution and eye discipline. I I think they also got out-schemed a little bit. I think the Mm -hmm. Bears coaches got out-foxed on both sides of the ball. Heard players say we we didn't expect that. I think it was Mm -hmm. Roquan who said – Something about the running quarterback. We weren't expecting that. And on offense, you had, well, we were expecting these exotic blitzes and we didn't get them. I just think the Bears kind of got flummoxed a little bit by, by from a coaching X and O standpoint. And and I, I, I'm I'm not sure if that will happen again this week. It could. could be worse, I guess. But, yeah, but yet no. another first-time head coach uh, who he's going yeah. up against. Uh, that's uh, two in a row who had never done it before. And three in a row, if you want to count. Lovey Smith uh, coaching his third NFL franchise. Guys, uh, we have picks uh, we are all on the side of the Minnesota Vikings. Potsy, your score is 23-17. Yes, that's a cover for the Bears. Jason, I've got you. a whole lot uh, chance that that could happen. Jason, I've got you at 25-17. Yeah, I don't even think the Vikings are good. I think you you think they're good. I right? do. Yeah, yeah, you think right. the Vikings would be pretty good and maybe challenge Green Bay in the division. I, I just really don't think they're that good, but they're more than this team can handle. Sure. And uh, no hedge for me this week. This is the this is what I actually think uh, is most likely to happen. Uh, the Vikings are a team that uh, the Bears have handled at home. Uh, the Vikings have have their own issues, or at least uh, under Mike Zimmer, they they did, or in previous uh, coaching staffs they have. And uh, so it's um, you know any, anything anything can happen in this one. But I just think the Bears are gonna uh, I think they're gonna bounce back a little bit after a bad game and 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 play this one pretty tight. Patsy, what if the injury report comes out Friday and Jalen Johnson is a go and David Montgomery is a go? Um, I don't know if that would change anything. Really? So yeah. really, no hedge. Yeah, no, no you're, hedge. You're no, not even. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, no. Wow. I, I just, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like the Bears can handle, or can, they they can either handle J- Justin Jefferson or get totally burned by him, no matter who's on the field. <laughs> I thought I could easily get yeah. into hedge. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he will no sun, hedge. Sunday night he'll tell us that he, he didn't believe it. Yeah, and it, it is worth mentioning that David Montgomery does have a chance to play on Sunday. We'll see how that develops during the week. I've got a 28-10 to 10 Vikings. I just think the offensive firepower is something the Bears have not seen this season, even from Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers. And uh, I don't think it'll be pretty. And boy, I, you know, you look at the schedule, maybe they've got a chance against Washington and New England, but the second half of the season, there might be a lot of games just like this. I agree. How depressing that is. Anyway, he's Mark, finish. he's Mark Potash. I'm yeah. J- he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. <laughs> Be sure to check us out at the Sun-Times uh, in newsprint and in their website, which now is free. There is no more paywall. You can read all of us all you would like. Uh, follow us on Twitter, and please like, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. We will be back thank again you, real soon.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.